I'd like to invite you in a walk. It is common enough to start off when entering any new game in a defensive way, at least for me. And when limbs and the health of joints are involved, it's easy to retreat into a kind of trench, a a place where you know you have some control about the safety of your limbs. No defense will ever make up for a lack of expansion. There's something easy about defense because you you just have to put your pieces, your parts in the right place at the right time. Or you don't even have to think about the right time, really. You just have to put them in the right place. If we're thinking about a pre-gunpowder era, then defending the grain silo is pretty simple. You just put walls around the grain silo. And besides staffing it, besides making sure that it's manned, there are fewer things to track to get the good sense of timing that one might need if you were, say, raiding that silo. It's weird working cybersecurity as well because you're doing a similar thing. You're just looking for vulnerabilities and patching them up for the most part. Unless you are one of those hotshot penetration testers. It's weird that we don't normalize that cycle. Security guards today kind of just exist 
in that manned defensive moment. If we really wanted to have a very solid defense, we would probably split those groups up. Say you hire two security guards normally, well, you'd switch them maybe randomly or at the roll of a dice. And on some shifts, one of them would test the other. And then you'd have a a rolling reason to pay attention. Though, then you might get into the issues with fire drills which is to say the apparent productivity loss. I don't actually know if it's apparent. Uh, I mean, it seems that way on the surface, but it's, huh, maybe the, the little breaks that people get with fire drills might actually help productivity, because you go out into the sun, perhaps, and you meet with all the other people in the office, So, someone has to have looked at that. But then the other part with fire drills is that you might have a lackluster response if you think this is only a drill. But... There's a difference here with the potential security game, which is to say it is more of a game. It could be more of a fun activity than fire drills. After all, people are spending thousands of hours of their lives on computer games simulating that situation and they don't seem to get bored necessarily there are definitely people who have been playing Counter-Strike since 2001 switching off the roles of security and offensive element that would definitely keep security guards awake interested in their job Perhaps give them reasons to hone their ability. Police officers could use that same engagement. The military is supposed to have this, and elements of it no doubt do. And on paper, almost all of it does. But in practice, a lot of the war games are scripted. That is, they have a particular outcome, and whoever's playing Op 4, if they do too good a job, or even if they do their job, uh, they might get reprimanded, even if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing on paper. So it's hard to say what this tension comes from, but perhaps... There's a clue in my defensiveness. You don't want to break a joint or 
a limb or a muscle, tear a muscle. Uh, and so then it's easy to be like, well, it's easier to simply stay put in this defensive position, in this trench. Better not risk anything. And so, from the point of view of a career police officer or military officer or security executive or bank, there might be a similar kind of thing going on. You don't know if you have the resources to move fast enough to go on the offensive. The size. Uh, a lot of modern military theory is based on a sedentary society, which means the typical expectation is that to attack you'll have to have at least three to three to one as an advantage and and that's kind of not enough uh, in a lot of standard operating procedures you want a better ratio than that and so maybe for a small or medium business they might be thinking we don't have the manpower if you have two security guards protecting a marijuana dispensary, maybe they don't want to have one person going around fucking things up because it might get in the way of the customer, which then gets into the point of how likely do you think an attack actually is? Because... Say if you were in a neighborhood and city where it is likely that you would get three to four robberies a year, it seems that to live in this constant uh, state of awareness, to, to split your security guys up so that one is always running op four drills, that this is a... acceptable cost but maybe if it's only a 1 in 10 year expectation or more realistically a 1 in 20 year expectation and and most businesses of this class can actually expect not to encounter serious crime then maybe the drills aren't worth it maybe you can just slide along and roll a different kind of dice, the kind of dice that says, hey, maybe I, as the police chief or military officer, will never encounter such a situation. So, you might see a lot of footage now because of the relative cheapness of video of cops responding not so well to armed criminals as well as combat footage of soldiers in war narcos, what have you and it seems like they would all benefit 
once that is a reality from living in the state where you're constantly checking each other. Iron sharpens iron, as they say. But, I guess the real dilemma is whether you want to put all the resources that you currently have, if you want to change the way you prioritize them, um, so even though you might not change much on your bottom line, you may change the prioritization of how you organize your group. And that is a sort of hidden cost to suddenly restructure everything uh, because penetration testing or constantly having offensive tests against your group will probably change the way, or it'll have to change the way you do things. And that would be sort of unpleasant if by default we are in a society that privileges rent-seeking and you're looking for rents in every situation you can, then kind of having to flip the table every now and then on the game makes it hard to collect rent because you can't create the sort of consistent timeline that one might expect as someone who's paying rent. So perhaps that's why we don't have a reality in which every security endeavor has some sort of constant penetration trust penetration testing element or op four red team because most people are not actually expecting the thing that they say they are preparing for to happen perhaps I personally found this weirdest in the military, or most uh, shocking, upsetting, whatever, stressful, <laughs> frustrating. Because, uh, I mean, you're all there, you ostensibly signed up to put your life on the line, to put the life of all the men around you on the line for your nation and so to behave as if it's not going to happen is quite again shocking I think but perhaps in the grand scheme of things the last 20 years of American wars were not really quote-unquote serious Maybe 10 to 12,000 dead out of a couple million people sent. Or not a couple million people sent, a couple billion, million people having signed up for that possibility. 
it's pretty good odds. Some have pointed out better odds than riding a motorcycle. And so perhaps it's not so unreasonable to expect a chain of command to be in a defensive to their careers frame of mind and to avoid creating a situation that would create a lot of change. Because if what you're attached to is your career, then you don't want to rock the boat at all. And so the difficulty for me here is what am I attached to that keeps me so defensive? I guess it is my limbs, <laughs> or the health of my limbs. I don't really have health insurance. Well, I guess I, I just signed up for VA healthcare. So that's something that they've accepted me for, given the relative lack of income. It is currently probably probably affordable, maybe? I'll have to do more research to see how much a torn ACL might cost for a uh, someone who has VA healthcare. It is the case that routine visits that would have cost, I don't know, two to three hundred dollars now cost uh, fifteen to fifty dollars so that is a difference but then perhaps there's also the underlying fear that in this age things won't recover as quickly either and I have goals that ostensibly use my whole body and so you only really attack you only really expand most possibly when the game you're playing is the game the most important game and maybe when I'm grappling I'm not thinking in those terms well I can say I'm not thinking of those terms because I might prioritize other things such as being able to pull a bow at the moment these walks without a crutch or a wheelchair yet there is a paradox in the sense that one doesn't really achieve a sort of security over these things unless as as much as when one is expanding. So you don't really have to worry about your limbs breaking if you're the person who is in position to break the other person's limbs. Currently, I'm at a gym that 
has a very traditional approach to BJJ, traditional to the American uh, IBJJF tradition, I would say. Uh, so it's like very extremely technically sound instructions. to do a lot of uh, rote repetition and so on. And the upshot of that is that I am often in the position to attack. So I haven't had a chance, so to say, to learn that my old defensive habits are still around when I visited another gym last night, which was more similar to to pass MMA gyms or gyms that had a lot of wrestlers that are a lot more aggressive, um, a lot more athletic, uh, and a lot more engaged in uh, dynamic methods of learning, that I was pushed into that situation where I fell into that defensive habit again. And so, they're both the same price, these gyms, and they're pretty close together, so I'm kind of staying at the first one out of a sort of, I came here first. But then, at the same time, maybe there is something to learn from the technical savvy of the attacks, the more... Uh, traditional gym maybe I would have more time getting used to building a habit of attacking whereas going to this other gym that's closer to my history might put me back in the old habit of permanent defense building walls and sitting there which doesn't seem very well suited to my long-term goals. I've learned to live very frugally and defensively in a way that mirrors that style that's not going to be feasible if I want to get what I want You may have noticed that I haven't posted a episode in a while. Part of that was traveling around Asia, seeing people I haven't seen in a very long time, spending as much time with them in the places as possible that were relatively uninterrupted. Sure, I could have 
turned one of those meetings into a walk with Ray on this podcast, but I guess I did not for some reason. There's a underlying pressure that's been building to expand financially and the attention placed there has perhaps interfered with some of these old habits well this habit is not that old just from last year the habit of simply putting everything down that comes across my mind I get the impression, despite what people say about grind and whatnot, that if you have product market fit, it shouldn't be too difficult to get two customers. Your first two customers, whoever they are. Which tells me that my products have no product market fit. Well, that's a lie. I guess Wielding the Way has had some sales. And I haven't really pushed on the technical support front on providing technical support to people around here. But maybe because there's a sense that there's something else I could do. Such as ghostwriting. The underlying deadlines of work that I have taken on for a business in India. And in writing a manual, it's hard to say whether, like, I want to give it my best, but at the same time, it does seem that Perhaps all that is wanted is work that could be easily done by chat GPT. And there's a weirdness there, like once knowing now that this could simply be generated by an AI, I guess the the previous uh, similar comparison that I had was this could simply be generated by 
someone with an MBA, then it's not worth my time. But I suppose if money is there and money is what at the moment puts food on the table, then beggars can't be choosers. But why, how, how did I get into the situation of being a beggar? There's something very similar here in this uh, foray into business to when I first started dating. I actually, with my first wife, I, I didn't really date her, we just kind of arranged our own marriage, as she said. So, didn't have to go through all that. But then, after the divorce, I did. And I was in a very, perhaps, expansive point of mind at that point. Uh, very, uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess it's physically putting on a lot of muscle, and that probably helps with the expansion But there was probably this underlying frustration of you have to figure this out or else, or else I don't know what. And so I put a lot of effort into figuring out what the dating process, what the dating game was. And that meant lots and lots of rejections. I had counted over 900 in-person rejections before I stopped counting. To give you an idea. And that in turn mimics the the first job. The first job I ever had legally in the United States took over 80 applications. I guess I was 16. And I followed up on a lot of people who did not uh, seem to want to give me a job. And so I was persistent uh, in, in pestering them. <laughs> and one of those people, a manager, a lady, told me that the only reason she had not called me back is because she did not know how to pronounce my name. Perhaps that is why I went with the nickname that people, well, a certain guy named Steven in high school had given me, as it was a more normal American name. After that, and I learned that my uncle in Canada had done a similar thing, he just gave himself a Anglo-Saxon name of some sort. I don't actually know what it is, uh, but it was given to him. And after that, things got somewhat easier.
In dating, there was a similar situation in the sense that it took a while, but eventually I figured out the game, so to speak. What game we were playing. But that initial figuring out took a lot of nails. <laughs> a lot of strong reactions against. And then when I figured out what worked, I guess I never really had the resentment for go moving away from my full birth name to something more Western. But I think with the dating, by that time, there was a sort of underlying resentment of like, why do I have to put in so much effort to sculpt myself to be the object of feminine desire. I guess in that way, there was a sort of equality in the sense that I guess that must be what women have done from the 30s or 40s onwards, 30s or 40s of the 20th century onwards. Um, the constantly putting makeup on and all that stuff. The thinking about what makes them look attractive and what doesn't. Uh, I guess that was nicely transferred over to me, even if it's not transferred to most of the successful men in the dating arena. I definitely learned how to have excellent style uh, that was differentiated and how to put makeup on and use all that stuff as well as designing experiences in a manner similar to a uh, Disney Imagineer for my dates. But then, at the end of it all, you're left wondering, well, if I had to put all this effort into getting time with this person, do I really want time with this person? And so, in expanding with customers, I suppose there is that underlying question. Do I really want their money? And I think as long as money is the only way to get land or start a battle royale event, then the answer is yes. There's a issue that I sometimes rail against where it seems like someone is seeing everything through one lens. I suppose more when I was younger, it used to bother me. 
Like, why can't you see all these other methods of doing things? But then perhaps that's just commitment to one game and the only way to do well at that one game is you can't like go around playing soccer while you're wishing you were playing Counter-Strike or play StarCraft while you're wishing you were playing basketball. It doesn't really work well. So perhaps Everything does have to be rearranged in favor of getting this thing is the only means to get the other thing that you want most. This is uh, where being satisfied, perhaps, can work against me. Perhaps a lot of the defensiveness is because I actually kind of like and am attached to most of what I have by default. And so the expensive wants have always been like little secrets. I guess as a child I would have kept what I wanted from my sibling and my parents because of the general idea that they would try and stop me from getting what I wanted. You know, things like breakfast cereal or cheese or fantasy books. And so the game was to pretend like I did not want those things and then get it when they weren't looking, squirrel it away. Of course they would find out eventually. I think most of my family, besides my father, did not really like spicy food. And I'm pretty sure that I developed a... Or I went in deep into spicy food mostly to have food that I knew no one else would want. So I could have it all to myself. This way, I guess it's a refusal to play. Defensiveness is a sort of refusal to play.
Refusing to get in debt was a sort of refusal to play. Refusing to get a degree was a sort of refusal to play. It does seem like there is a way to collapse every game into one game. I've definitely had those moments in my life before. And they definitely led to lots of expansion. But... At times, this conviction is lacking. Whenever there seems to be mutually exclusive games. But I suppose one can't be too attached to expansion in the same way that one is detached to defensiveness. Because that is historically how I have won most dramatically against people. In fact, it is, I suppose, in the long term, part of why I've been defensive is to try and get the other person to overreach when they're attacking. I guess at this moment, I don't know what I want. Maybe it's time to set aside some time for figuring that out again. I guess I want to hunt man. 
bit away. This is perhaps the most internally turned episode of this podcast that I've had. Which I have been beginning to explore as a sign of defensiveness. Because then you start to restructure everything. If you're looking internally and then makes it hard to compete externally. Who are you guys? Someone listens to this. According to the analytics, maybe, maybe, maybe it's robots. Maybe, like I said, have to look into that about the possibility of uh, scraping audio, but it does seem like someone listens to this. Maybe my mother. <laughs> Whoever you are, I'd like to know. Um, so I can stop making it in a vacuum. I guess I'm looking for a conversation. And um well there's one person I often walked with. But I've chosen to move very far away. I think it's not that far, it's twenty hours by drive. Anyway, who are you? Because if you're listening to this, it's yours as well as mine.